Kieran McCusker, and today I saw Enf. And I am Jericho Reed, and I saw Erno. This is Trading Places, where one of us goes and watches one half of a film, and then we swap over halfway through, and the other person sees the second half of the film. So today we were seeing Ron Howard's latest Inferno. Magnum opus. Yeah. Inferno. Ron Howard, what is it he sees in Dan Brown? Because there must be something. They sign up to make three of these back when Da Vinci Code was a phenomenon. Uh, Have you seen any of the others? I have seen Da Vinci Code, but that's it. I think I've seen Da Vinci Code. Okay. Maybe once when I was like sick and I put it on and it just made me even more sick. Okay. That seems to ring a bell actually now. I'm sure I watched it at home, I did not see it in the cinema. It is a good sort of fever dream sick day film. <laughs> well, fuck, could you imagine watching this when you're like sick is, like, and vomiting all over the place? I mean, well, this kind of made me want to. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to tell how much the film has changed or how much I've changed. Because I saw Da Vinci Code when it was out in like, what, 2003 or something? Is it that long ago? I think it's uh, quite long <laughs> ago, yeah. I was like 12 and I was really into the Da Vinci Code. I saw the movie, I read the annotated, illustrated version of the book, I played the Da Vinci Code game on the PlayStation or the Game Boy or something. I remember being really into playing this. Well, I mean, if you're 12, it feels, Inferno feels like it was maybe written by a 12 year old. It's just over, overdone and over stylized, like, to within an inch of its life. Well, it's that thing people say, don't they? Stephen Fry is like a stupid person's, uh, like, a stupid person's idea of what an intelligent person should be like. I felt a bit like that was Inferno. It's a stupid person's idea of what an academic James Bond would be like. <laughs> um, so can you tell us anything of how Da Vinci Code relates at this point to Inferno? Or does it? Well, I, I cannot remember at it, all. It's, it's hard because I only saw half the film, so I would assume a lot of that I, would be in the <laughs> first half. But um, we did we did this around the wrong way. Yeah, um, but, but only because uh, you almost didn't make it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I was late for coming in late, um, which is uh, personal best. I, we uh we kind of half arranged it, and then I showed up, and Jericho was like, uh, "Are we doing this?" Yeah. And then, <laughs> so I was sitting there with like fifteen minutes before the screening, and then you were like. Oh wait, we're doing it! <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I'm seeing the first half then. I was in my flat on the other side of the city, uh, in my bed to be specific, and then, yeah, and then making it there, I made it with a uh, sort of five minutes spare, or not five minutes spare, with uh, five minutes Five minutes late. over, yeah, so uh, um, there's, a, there's a bit of a, we didn't technically see half each, you, you missed about five minutes of yours. We saw like, what, yeah. 95% of Inferno. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, to answer your question, I don't really know how this works as a franchise because it seems a little bit like every episode is kind of the same. Like, I guess it is like James Bond. It's like he always has to save the day and it's always to do with puzzles and art, but they don't really connect or overlap at all. There's also lots of weird like little gizmos or something. I saw The Da Vinci Code over 10 years ago and haven't seen it since. I remember reading, I read some of Angels and Demons, but I gave up because it got like weirdly sexual, which put me off as like a 13 year old, surprisingly. But yeah, I came back to this and was just like, this seems like a remake of the Da Vinci Code in a way. But on these gizmos, like the the one we see here, Northway, there's a thing called the, the Faraday thing. Faraday um, pointer, Faraday I believe. pointy, projecty thingy. Yeah, yeah, and so there's like, uh, there's, uh, I mean, these gizmos are probably like 
the toys they aren't they they're like the the like sort of merchandising for the the dan brown franchise the kind of thing you get in your happy meal or whatever because the first it one, looks like it could have come out of a fucking happy meal exactly, yeah <laughs> like the first one the first one i wish i could remember what they're called they're called like a crypto chamber or something like do you remember in the first one they're like they're like no a, it's like a little toilet roll tube with a load of characters <laughs> in the outside and like you twist it it's like a little canister type thing and there's a message inside or something but it's like a, a little gizmo, and I remember this because you had to collect them in the computer game that I played for whatever reason. And when I saw the like Faraday pointer, I was like, oh, here we go. This is 2016's version of the crypto, crypto chamber. Anyway, I suppose we should get into the first half of the film, which I did not see, and you will now be recapping for me. As best as I possibly can. <laughs> Okay, so let's dive into this first half of Inferno, or at least attempt to, since it was a, such a clusterfuck. Did it improve much in the second half from that from that point of view? I don't know how bad it was for you, but my guess would be probably not. Pretty bad. Well, this was the, I got all the exposition, which was pretty clunky. Well, I also got all the exposition. <laughs> a lot of exposition. Was the second half just exposition as well? It was exposition, exposition, and, action, and like, then end. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, so we pick up in... Florence. Okay. He's, he's not sure where he is at first. He thinks he's probably back in the States. Does he speak Italian? Uh, no. Okay. He, he wakes up and he's like, where am I? Where am I? And he's, his memory's so bad, but he suddenly remembers when he looks out the window that he's in Florence, which, you know, pretty pretty selective memory from old Tom Hanks. Maybe maybe showing his age a wee bit. <laughs> I mean, he looks a wee bit, he's already looking a wee bit old and sully. Well, that's one thing that we need to touch on, don't we, is the hair. Like, the hair, yeah. Yeah. The hair in Da Vinci Code, he has like that sort of like long sort of like he has a weird haircut in da vinci code and lots of people went crazy and then they changed it for angels and demons oh yeah he did he had really long hair didn't he yeah 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 uh now he just has regular tom hanks Uh hair and then we're getting sully in a a couple weeks and he's got totally totally gray hair and a mustache yeah yeah he's he he really looks old the man the man of changing changing facial hair and hair and And i'm thinking thinking of a castaway now yeah uh and sometimes he's a cowboy toy <laughs> <laughs> well that was a that was quite a transformation he went for a, while. Went yeah. for a lot of work for that one i mean people talk about christian bale and his mm-hmm. weight gains and weight losses but becoming a plastic cowboy doll is really a commitment to his craft that tom hanks really so has. anyway this uh, cowboy plastic doll wakes up in florence yeah. uh well apparently florence he seems to he seems to remember that quite well he doesn't know why he's in florence but he keeps having all these flashbacks and visions and sort of general disorientation you had you must you must have kept this up. Yeah, yeah, because that's that the, it's like the main style of the film. Everything in the film so over stylized so as to pack this in, and that's why it doesn't really work. Is because the over stylized use of sound and blurred vision and all the rest of it that accounts for the visions and the flashbacks and the disorientation. So it's like Wait, all so meshed visions, into one. Visions. Yeah, he has like visions of hell. He doesn't have any visions of hell in the second half. What? Um, that's, so, that's, like, so, that's such a huge part in the first half. Is he's these, having all these? What are these visions of hell like? Are these like cartoon, like sort of like I'm imagining no, Futurama robot devil uh, cartoon? Fire and brimstone, but set in like the normal streets, like everyday okay. streets. So it's people walking about with like disfigured faces and back to front heads. Oh wow! Uh, and there's loads of fire and people's legs sticking out of the ground. It's supposed to be like Dante's Inferno, yeah, sort yeah. of thing, which I... is like the main. I don't know. The only thing that would really tie the whole film together is this whole sort of weird thing about Dante's Inferno. Yeah, they bang on about Dante constantly in the second half. 
So I was like, what are these visions that Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks is having it's like Hankovision or Hankorama or something <laughs> and that was one of my main questions is it does Tom Hanks ever get rid of his Hankorama um, or Hankovision in the second half well he does because it doesn't occur at all <laughs> um, I did notice in the credits it was just for exposition yeah yeah, yeah that, like, that's completely gone like I'm completely baffled by like Especially because the last films, I think, are sort of relatively rooted in the real world. Like, there's no sort of, like, weird flights of fantasy or, like, imagining the end of end of times in any of the other films. I did notice in the credits there was beggars or thieves with no hands were listed in the credits. Yeah, they were definitely in the the hell, the Hanko vision at, okay. at the start. Uh, <laughs> and it's basically, that's how the main part of the plot as it is begins, is that one of his flashbacks is, or one of his visions, or how does he get this flashback? How does it appear? I'm not sure. It has, we are shown, either way, uh-huh. uh, a chase, Omar, Omar Sy. Omar C? Omar Sy? I was hoping you knew. I think oh, it's right, Sy. Okay. I think it's Sy. Anyway, he's great. Uh, he's not so yeah. great in this, but he doesn't have enough to do. Anyway, him and this other police, whoever, who, they work for the World Health Organization, I think. Yeah, See, yeah. this is, this is already a total clusterfuck of a plot. Like, it's, it's bad enough the film trying to tell us and then us trying to recap it. It's, it's ridiculous. Anyway, um, so Omar Sy and this other police dude are chasing down the billionaire. The, the billionaire gave Robert Langdon the mask. Okay. Uh, Dante's mask that he finds. The billionaire drugs him and then Robert... That, see, I was, this might have been in the missing bit. We missed, we missed maybe a crucial five minutes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, because of this, the screening issues. I mean, I think we could really have missed like any five minutes of the film <laughs> and we would be just as disoriented Just as disoriented, probably. We'd, we'd both be like Tom Hanks, just wandering around, <laughs> having visions of hell and just mm. asking where we are. And not knowing what coffee is. Does he it? doesn't know what coffee is. Well, he calls it... Um, he's, he's sitting there at the front of the um, the woman who works in the hospital that he wakes up in ends up being this former university... She went to his lectures when Hang she on. was nine years old. Is, 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 no, this can't be Elizabeth. This must be Felicity Jones, is it? Sienna. Yeah, yeah, Sienna, yeah. I remember. Sienna Monotoni. I don't think they... I don't think they used her name in the second yeah, half. Yeah, it's definitely But her. I did see in the credits was that she, she was called Sienna. Was she, pretty, so. was she pretty flat and monotone? Did you find her that way? I didn't think she put in a particularly good performance. Um... I like Felicity Jones, but she, like, I wouldn't single her out for any particular criticism insofar as there's not really anyone that comes out of this looking <laughs> particularly good. No, good. No. I think Omar um, Sy gets away with it just because he's Omar Sy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but Tom, um, Tom Hanks and Felicity Jones, they they could definitely have done, done better. It's basically, from what I gather, Omar Sy has relatively little, he's like a minor character. He's just like yeah, an antagonist yeah. kind of thing, isn't he? So I think the way to survive Inferno is the less you're in it, the worse you look. <laughs> and Tom Hanks and Felicity Jones obviously get stuck with the raw deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to this point, Omar yeah. Sy, and one of the things that he does have to do is chase this billionaire up a tower in Florence uh, before the billionaire throws him off. They're, they're looking for secrets from him and then he jumps off because he's not going to tell him the secrets. And the, the pop, this is just when I was leaving. The, almost the last thing that happened was the billionaire... Like, he must have, this isn't explained, but he must have drugged Robert Langdon to go and steal Dante's mask from this art gallery because in one of the paintings, Robert Langdon 
sees something written on it that you can only see the truth through the eyes of death, and the eyes of death is Dante's mask. It is total fucking nonsense. But that's where he comes into it. That's the exposition. And then after that, they're basically chased up until the point where I had to leave. Yeah, there's a lot of nonsense in this film. Like, I have a lot of quotes written down. You're not half saying, yeah. I have Um, a lot of quotes written down because I'm just like, this is ridiculous. Would anyone ever say this line? My my best one was, the circles of hell have been rearranged. (laughs) (laughs) Is that, like, is that a problem? If you're in hell, I mean, obviously, like, there, there's a hierarchy to it, but if you're in hell, I think the least of your worries are, like, hierarchy, like, like a sort of, like, torment of pain and anguish. You're hardly going to be like, hang on, this is also really disorganized. Someone's <laughs> made a right mess. Someone's made a right mess of the seventh circle of hell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with living in the abyss for eternity, enduring being tortured at the hands of fiery demons, but please organize these circles <laughs> um, can we just get these circles organized guys i think yeah. it was a really help things out um, yeah maybe maybe it reflects the plot in some weird way maybe maybe uh, ron howard's circles of hell were were around the wrong way when he was making this and and that's why the film's a total fucking mess yeah you probably could you could probably could reorganize this film and make it if not good then certainly better mm-hmm. by like moving a lot getting rid of a lot of these flashbacks maybe maybe taking out the visions maybe having more visions Maybe that's what. Oh god! What if, the, what if the whole thing was just all visions? I would love that. I mean, it would be it would be like some sort of experimental art piece. I think <laughs> that would be quite interesting. What I want is for Tom Hanks just to wake up, and he has the hair from Da Vinci Code, and we realise that both angels and demons and Inferno have been dreams that he had, <laughs> while considering whether he was going to get his like trademark Tom Hanks locks of hair cut off, and he was like, "This is the alternate universe in which I do get my hair cut." It's awful. I won't do it. But as I, as I was saying there, basically, after we get the whole billionaire exposition, which you didn't seem to hear of at all. Who is the billionaire? Uh, I forget who he's played by, and it's a relatively big name. Is it Ben Foster? Yes. Okay, Ben uh, Foster's the billionaire. Ben Foster's the billionaire. Because he looked like he was a lecturer to me. Yeah, he's delivering a speech of some sort where he's talking he, about he the human population. He made his billions through academia, of course. Uh-huh. But, and yeah. then he's... Um, he, He's talking about the whole human population, and that's when we get another flashback to that. This is the exact point that my film ended on. We'll come to that later, I guess, uh, the the last line uh, that I heard. But that's, that's basically where I end. And the only main point from that is basically the human race is killing itself because there's too many of us, and we're all shit. Okay, okay. There's, there's, there's lots of questions here, which I'm planning to interrogate you in the second half because I'm like, okay, either Kieran, either the film didn't give Kieran the answers, or Kieran's not or giving Kieran's, me the answers. Or Kieran's here. just really fucking <laughs> stupid. <laughs> yeah, like, Kieran must be holding out on me here because the film cannot surely have left all this up in the air. Well, before we get to your section, then yeah. after my messy recap, the two questions I mainly have to ask is basically just in terms of outright plot, what happens to Sienna? Okay, well, you will be very spoilers, interested spoilers, here. Spoilers ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously. Like, uh, we cannot do this without spoilers, so uh, if you actually like going to films and not having them spoiled, I'm afraid this podcast probably is not for you. Yeah, don't don't listen. For, for the most people. <laughs> don't listen if you haven't seen Inferno and want to see Inferno, or, I mean, I can't really remember Da Vinci Code. So should, should, I, we have, should we flag that at the start, maybe? That, uh, this, this is going to have spoilers. Maybe that would have yeah, been a good we'll, idea. We'll put that in retroactively. Oh, fuck it. That's yeah. fine. That's fine. Nah, um, let's not. <laughs> anyway, Sienna. Uh, what happens gonna... to Sienna Monotoni? 
Well, I don't quite wanna. I don't quite wanna spoil that for you, cause that's that's like something that I need to get to in my recap, cause this is gonna be like quite a big. Oh. Like, I can't easily reduce this down. Uh, she's like quite a quite a quite is she is she un, is she undercover? She's undercover. Uh, she's definitely undercover. Maybe maybe a little. She's undercover. Okay, I'll end on one last question. Does the devil show up? No. Oh, I can categorically <laughs> say there are no visions. There there are, are no devils. Does Dante show up? No, no. They quote him a lot, they but he doesn't lot. actually appear himself. God damn. Um, I was saying, I was waiting for him. Dan Brown, what have you done? What have you done to my work? Why have Not you like Why this. have you fucked up my circles of hell? <laughs> <laughs> Look. At, Look at them, they're all over the place. It's like a Russian doll with like the smallest one crammed into like the medium sized one. The biggest one is also in size like the biggest one's inside the smallest one. How did you manage that? I'm just thinking about I had a great bagel on the way here and I was thinking that maybe maybe it's just like a, a bagel like Dante's seven circles of bagels. Uh, maybe do you think maybe he was a maybe he was like a bagel shop owner as as well as being like this uh, philosopher or was he a philosopher? I think he was. I guess he was he was more like sort of like a, a, a poet or writer. I guess I I mean like I mean what what when where does where does the line draw? I mean in a way, but it's not us making a stupid podcast where we destroy films. In a way, <laughs> we're philosophers. Yeah, um, but, but let's just underline: there's no bagels in the second half. No bagels in the second half, or as I like to call them, delicious circles of hell. Delicious. Um, this podcast brought to you by. Bagel, Bagel Mania in Glasgow on Sucky Hall Street. We thank Bagel Mania for their <laughs> kind generosity in sponsoring this programme. We couldn't, we couldn't do it without them. They are the fuel we need and the special circles of hell that we all encounter in life. Oh, um, this, uh, this is a delicious bagel. I am so grateful for Bagel Mania sending us that stack of pizza bagels, Kieran. They're good guys. They were great, but they, yeah. I think they were a bit... Uh, they were a bit contaminated. There was, there was, oh. there was they sent us seven, and but only oh. one, of, only one of them was worked because they were around the wrong way. Oh, uh, no. But somehow the okay. the bill, the billionaire gave me the foresight to buy the bagels, and uh, yeah, who the fuck knows? Anyway, come back in a bit. Join us for the second half of Inferno, where Jericho will attempt to fucking recap this piece of shit. Damn it! You advertised there's a break, which means like I'm actually gonna have to put a break in there now with another. Okay, there's no break. We're just gonna have musical jingle. Musical, but... musical jingle. Jericho recap. So I came into Inferno with sort of like I'm, I'm, miss, I'm missing five minutes, which I was feeling very guilty about until maybe like five seconds into the film where I realised wow, it's fine. What, what guilt? <laughs> yeah, like my guilt evaporated as I realised this is nonsense. You were giving your last rights. There yeah. is no <laughs> way that anyone could possibly understand this. So it starts off with like Omar Sy going on about yeah, is was he there? Did we miss an entire scene or was Omar Sy talking to Tom Hanks when you, when you were there? When the you very were. final thing that happened was that one of the I didn't even mention her in the first half. There's like a see already, already oh, we're seeing that the cracks are kind of in your retelling rather than this tight narrative piece of film. Because there's Omar Sy and his partner, who I believe work for the World Health Organization, but there's like a rogue agent woman who goes after Tom Hanks. Is this Elizabeth? Is this Elizabeth? No. Okay. I don't think so. I don't think she's given a name. Okay. Uh, she works for this like undercover secret organization off of a ship who are not supposed to exist but like apparently run <laughs> what the hell is going on with this film <laughs> they apparently run the world from from this ship she works for them and she's supposed to 
she's supposed she's she's told to kill Robert Langford. She eventually falls through the the roof of the palazzo, this art gallery that they're in. Okay. This is where they steal Dante's mask, and then she falls through the roof. That is the last thing that happens. Yeah, there's a bit of another spoiler there, and that was quite a good point to end on. Actually, was I, at least I got to see that. But even though it's totally fucking inconsequential anyway. But so, on you go, Jericho. On you go. Keep cracking on. So when I came questions. into the film, I, when I came into the film, Tom Hanks, Felicity Jones, and Omar Sy, who I have reduced to black guy in my notes, um, <laughs> uh, are like together in like a weird sort of warehouse. They're going on about like Tom Hanks has been like given an injection or something. They ramble on about a virus. Omar Sy, or as I affectionately call him, black guy. You know, was that? I'm sure that was Samuel Jackson's first ever credit in a film. Like, his first, his, I think one of his first ever films, it was a small role, and it, the credit he was just given was black guy or black man or something like this. Um, something very 80s, Jericho, you're definitely showing your... 80s? That is far more progressive than I thought. I thought I was going to be like 70s. Really. Um, uh, like, far more, far more sort of archaic than that with my uh, reduction of people's well, race. Well, just, that's just the Aberdeen way, um, isn't it? Yeah, but in, in my defence, like, I didn't know it was Omar Sy until I saw the credits. I believe this injection you're on about, though, is the thing that the billionaire might have given Tom Hanks for him to go and steal the mask, but okay. not know that he's stealing the mask. Yeah, that seems to make sense. Right, okay, we're, we're getting there, we're getting there. Yeah, so black guy who I learned was Omar Sy, thanks to the end Stop credits. Stop calling black guy! <laughs> <laughs> uh, reveals that he works for the World Health Organization. Yes. And I have here written on my notes... Who, black guy, because I was like, who is this guy? He works for the World Health Organization. Who? Also black known guy? as who. I really wish he would get a name so I could stop referring to him as black guy. I'd just call him Omar. Omar Sai. Yeah, I don't know why. I, love, like, I do like Omar Sai, so. I haven't, I haven't seen him in anything. You've not? No. Samba? Untouchables? No. Oh, man. No. I'm sure he's been in other stuff as well. Is he in The Wire? I've never watched The Wire. I think he could he's, be in he's The gonna, Wire. Um, he's kind of come out uh, doing doing more acting in the past couple of years so I don't know if the, the wires maybe a bit before yeah I, I feel like I feel like he might have been in the wire because he's one of these people like I know as like someone I should know but don't actually I've not actually seen him in anything well, definitely Samba and that, the French film Untouchables is definitely like two of the two of the bigger things I think he's done would you care to spoil these for the listeners of the podcast uh, and or me shit uh, <laughs> Untouchables is pretty predictable and it works out all nice and fine at the end and Sam is about immigration and I think it works out okay in the end uh, <laughs> anyway wrong film yeah so I have here written Omar Sy uh, that's not actually what I wrote but I'm going to change it um, this he, is, we're, we're being progressive here Jericho <laughs> I'm too old to change I'm set in my ways <laughs> Shouldn't we leave the European Union? Yeah, I have written here, he solves problems. Because I think he was, like, solving problems, and Tom Hanks was one of those problems. Tom Hanks was definitely a problem. I also have written down, Life of Pie Man. Which yes. is a slightly less... Our fan, our fan can. can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another person whose name I could not remember. He is the guy, I'll answer probably your question, you might not have had this as a question, but you'll probably... This will join things together even more now. Yeah. Is... He is the leader of the organization that runs off of the boat running the world. Okay. He leads that organization. He not entirely explains him, because like, my theory was that he was some weird sort of like Assassin's Creed type character. 
because I got a lot of Assassin's Creed vibes in this yeah. film. Let me just put it that way: the, <laughs> the big swooping shots, the walking over tight beams, uh, <laughs> the sort of like Eden and apples and knowledge, and yeah, lots, lots of Assassin's Creed stuff. Because uh, Life of Pi Man. Life of Pi Man. Life of Pi Man. <laughs> uh, who doesn't interact with Black Man at any point, or Hank's Man, Hank's or, or Female Man. Sienna um, Man, but I think um, Female Man works better, yeah. Uh, Life of Pi Man, at one point, kills someone with a little, like, wrist dagger, which I can only imagine Ron Howard saw when he was, like, watching... Like, oh, James Bond or something like this. Well, no, like, I was going to say his kid, but, like, what, Bryce Dallas Howard, she's his kid, and she's old. <laughs> Maybe, like, a grandkid. Ron Howard was probably watching a grandkid playing Assassin's Creed at Christmas and was like, hey, that poppy They dagger, do have those daggers in Assassin's cool. Creed. They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh-huh. the entire point of Assassin's Creed. I think that's the unique yeah. thing of Assassin's uh-huh. Creed is those oh, daggers. For fuck's sake, this is, this is just... Wait, it would be interesting to double bill this with the Assassin's Creed is coming out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Michael Fassbender was in this as well. My- Michael Mann, Fassbender Mann. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, French, female man. Um, one of, well, interesting, one of the other questions was, does Ezio Auditore ever show up <laughs> in, 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 at the end of Inferno? I mean, it's kind of implied. They don't explicitly <laughs> name him, but if you read between the lines... Rescat anyway. and Pachi. <laughs> um, I am like Tom Hanks and I cannot speak Italian. Um, there is, I have written here, lots of exposition. Like, oh, let's, oh, is it even worth going into all that? Like, No, no. Like, I, that's why I just reduced it down to lots, lots of exposition. Lots of exposition, all right. Because it's not even, it's not like you need to know any of it. I mean, I think I'm like, relatively okay with exposition, because films people say like, oh, that's just heaps of exposition. I'm kind of okay with like, I love Interstellar and like lots of Chris Nolan's films. And there is exposition, but it's to a point. Whereas like, the exposition in Inferno, I feel like it's just to fill time. Like, it's just like, ah, we'll make up subplots, have people explain things. Uh, have we got to two hours yet? <laughs> no. No, we can't do... It wouldn't work as 90 minutes. They need, they need to get people bang for the buck. Or yeah. at least make at least make people think that they got bang for the buck. Yeah, people... If you see a running time, 90 minutes on Inferno, you'll think, what, hang on, a tight... That's a big blockbuster, sort of like yeah. tight narrative thriller in and out in 90 minutes. B-movie. I don't want that. Uh-huh. I want an epic. Can you sell a film on a runtime? Probably, I think so. Yeah, uh-huh. I think so, yeah. Well, yeah, you'd, you'd probably sell less if people saw that the film was like 90 minutes or if they saw it was like 190 minutes. 90 minutes would be like, what is this, Deadpool? No, no, I come... I come because I come for a strict two and a half hours, two hours of film, 30 minutes of adverts. Another thing to get into is like, what's the audience? What's the audience for Inferno? It was a rather old audience today, I saw. That's my that's my belief. Is Did like you... it's, it's old people, I think. Like old people who like have been to Venice on holiday <laughs> and like seeing it again. <laughs> That's the only reason he went along. <laughs> just, to, just I'm never, I'm never, I'm never going to make it back to Florence. I might as well, might as well take this chance. <laughs> no, it's to remember, like it's to remember Ron Howard's the... travelogue of Venice, the Hankorama extravaganza. I mean, I think it essentially is a travelogue because Dan Brown is, like, it's the perfect Dan Brown adaptation, isn't it? Because like Dan Brown's held up as like a writer who can't actually write, and this is a film which isn't actually a film. Oh, oh dear, I hope we're still recording. Yeah, we're still yeah. recording. Um, we'll probably Good. cut this out again. So if you hear some music in the meantime, that's what that was. If not, I'm too lazy and I can't find any rights-free music. Um, we should probably just take some which isn't rights-free and try and get sued. Like, we'll take... I know. Does Ron Howard have any good themes? I don't know. Hans Zimmer did one for this. Oh, was it Hans Zimmer? Yeah. I was furious because... The soundtrack get... was one of the only good things. Sometimes. 
Yeah, but it's like in the way when you you can sort of tell when like Hans Zimmer is doing lesser work, he kind of like rehashes himself, doesn't he? Mm. I, well, that was the thing. I was I got this slightest interstellar vibes, yeah, but it came there, nowhere near the glory. There's one scene I think where they're like in a church and they're like diving underwater. Where I'm like, this is just the interstellar soundtrack. And there's the soundtrack really sort of sticks out where there's like, it was, it's nice tracks, but sometimes you're just get, or getting like a weird sort of like pulsating kind of techno. Yeah, like, when are we about, we about electronic sometimes? Yeah. Like, this is, what, where's this coming from? Yeah, which I liked, but I was like, why isn't this throughout? Why is this yeah. just now? A total mismatch, really. Maybe the soundtrack was too good for the film. Probably. Yeah. Hans, think, Hans Zimmer doing lesser work is still too good for Inferno. It's probably like a Morricone, like Hateful Eight type thing where Hans Zimmer was just like, Luke Ron, I'll write you like four tracks. Use them how you want, but that's all you're getting. And then put in pop music. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's more. That's more Tarantino. Put in uptown yeah. funk yeah. and just live with it. Is that um, how the film ends? It's that, just it, everyone you, dancing you got at the me. end. It's a big Dogs, musical yeah, number yeah. to uptown <laughs> funk. Um, anyway, I have I have here lots of exposition, and then Elizabeth, who like Tom Hanks is going on a lot about this character Elizabeth. Is, is it maybe his, his wife or something? I, I honestly don't know who the fuck Elizabeth is. I don't think so. And that segues into my next quote, which is, I don't remember. Because Tom Hanks seems to have memory issues, which I think, is that like a, is that like a dull way of making this compelling since it's the third film out? Yeah, oh like, wait, I just remembered the etc, etc. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like them trying to get in on that, like Jason Bourne, Finding Dory, Wolverine, Memento bandwagon of let's make our protagonist interesting by not having him have any have a idea fucking personality yeah. let's have him as a wet fucking sponge i have here written switch to intense french because omar sighs interrogating tom hanks about what's going on in french and no in english in english and tom hanks is saying i don't remember and then omar sighs. that's what they all say like you know like an interrogation where like maybe they'll start slapping you around or whatever Yep, we've, we've all been there. We've all been there. <laughs> oh, God, that was, that was an unpleasant time of my life. Aberdeen. Yeah, so the technique in this film is you switch to French and you yell. So Omar Sy, I was like, ah, la, la, oh, putain, oh. Um, putain de merde. Yeah. And then, uh, what's her face? Phil City Jones has to translate, I think. And like, translate interrogation. Like, yeah, yeah. She like argues with him in French and then says to Tom Hanks, like, oh, so-and-so, oh, he's calling you, like, uh, son of a whore. And, because Tom Hanks, I think, like, Tom Hanks's deal is that he is, like, this sort of worldly, like, globe-trotting metropolitan, but yet doesn't speak any other language apart from English. But I he's think a university that, professor, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He works at Cambridge, doesn't he? So I think, I think that might be his deal. He also has eczema. Do you know about that? Nope. You don't know about that? Nope. Um, he has, like, eczema, so he has, like, a weird sort of, like, much like my own wrist. He has a weird sort of, like, scaly dried out patch on his rich wrist. Which I'll, just let that, I'll just let that image sink in for everyone listening. Um, yeah, yeah, I am a weird wizard man. Um, <laughs> hashtag David Icke. And, yeah, Ben Foster. So I have that written down Billionaire here. man. Ben Foster. Ben, billionaire man. Ben Foster, full stop. Dead, full stop. Oh, yeah. Well, that yeah, he's he jumps off the tower at the start. Yeah, see, I was able to work that out on my own because. Oh, okay, I'm not needed. I'll just he, I'll just fuck off then. There's the door. <laughs> um, don't make a rack on your way. <laughs> yeah, Ben Foster is dead, which I was able to figure out for myself because I have seen the trailer to Inferno, 
and a key shot on the trailer involves Ben Foster throwing himself no, off the roof of a building. And I was interested by the trailer because I was like, oh, wow, how does he get out of that one? <laughs> and I was like, no, Ben doesn't. Foster's in this film, but he hasn't been in it yet. He's probably dead. <laughs> so he's dead. That's fucking, that's, that's terrible. He's dead. And I was very disappointed because that was one of the ways that I was lured into this film. I mean, to begin with, I thought I was seeing Into the Inferno, the Werner Herzog film. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm quite excited for that. And I turn up and it's this, but I thought at least Ben Foster's in it. Turns out he's not. Thankfully, the structure is so weird, I get a lot of good Ben Foster flashbacks. Oh, I thought I, I thought you were going to say I got most of the Ben Foster, but yeah, the the, narr- the totally bonkers narrative seems to have given you maybe some of what you're looking for. Um, yeah, yeah, the, the bonkers narrative does give me enough Ben Foster. Like, it's not the best Ben Foster. It's not like sort of like Lance Armstrong man Ben Foster or Ain't Them Body Saints Ben Foster man or even Warcraft Ben Foster. Man. But it's like... All right, Ben Foster. Man. Uh, man. Um, so we, the worst part for him is probably get a sepia flashback to Ben Foster playing hide-and-seek with his love interest. Oh, this is the, the phrase that keeps coming up, right? The Italian phrase. It's like, cerca... No. No? No. Or is this something else? Because it's like, seek and find or something. It's like, no, they translate... No, Oh, my... He, I, he uh... just likes hide-and-seek. That's all I know about him. Well, from um, my part of view, there's something in the first half, and they translate in Italian phrases, it means something like seek and find or something, so it's probably some sort of undercurrent to try and make it sound intelligent, and we've just picked up the pieces of that total bullshit, and now we're trying to mash it together into some sort of respectable bullshit, but now <laughs> it's just, it's, it, it still stinks. Well, I think I'm going to pull you back in on this, because oh. this film has a fantastic twist. I don't think involve, I can really go any further. It does involve female man. It does involve female man. I can't wait. So you know how female man is Tom Hanks' sidekick? Yep. I think in every film he has a sidekick. Like it's Amelie in the first one, a female, a female man sidekick. I think in the first one it's Amelie. Don't know who got stuck with it in the second one. Wait, Amelie? She's yeah. called Amelie in the second one. No, no, no. It's like Audrey... Oh, Audrey Tattoo. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Okay. It's her. It's her in the first one. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know who it is in the second one. It's probably it? probably some Mediterranean woman who speaks English. Like, Mediterranean like, woman it, man. It, it, it can't be Monica Bellucci. Um, <laughs> it, uh, I mean, like, let, let's think, who else could it be? Um, uh, it wouldn't be Isabel Huppert. She's too art house. No, she's, no, she's <laughs> too... Could you imagine her? I think she, she'd probably just make the film ten times better. Like She would just come in and steal the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um would, it, would that be the right the right kind of time when Melanie Laurent was doing a lot of stuff? Could it be her? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, it. it maybe she, they can just drag in Zoe Deschanel. Anyway, <laughs> get she's, her not, she's not Mediterranean, but she can. She's so quirky. She probably knows Italian. Right. That's the yeah. That's the deal with Tom Hanks is like female sidekick is they're they're always like a translator, aren't they? It's like a, a native. He like goes into the country and it's like, hey, you there? Find me an attractive woman that speaks this language. To be my um, sidekick. Yeah, to be my sidekick. But also, backstab me. I'm guessing she betrays him. Come well, on, tell us. I want this reveal. I can't wait any longer. Yeah, it, it, the, the horrible twist is, yeah, she does She does backstab him. Yes. Almost fucking, literally. I fucking knew it. He's, he's climbing. She, they're climbing out a window, and he it's, it's that classic maneuver of, like, throw me the idol, I'll throw you the rope, where he lifts her up out of the window, and then he's like... You know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Help me out the window. And then she says, no, I'm not going to help you out the window. I'm on Ben Foster's side. Oh! 
And uh, oh. he says, oh, you knew him. And the line she replies with is, knew him? I loved him. You are wearing his suit. Is that a... Yeah. Um, okay, when they're, okay. when they're at the it's flat... It's not a metaphor, is it? No, no, no. Drill? When they're at the flat, she takes him back to her flat at the start. And ah. she gives him new clothes. Yeah. Presumably then his suit. Ben Foster's suit. Okay. Yeah. Billionaire man suit. He's wearing a good suit. That's a fucking good suit, I'm telling you. Well, if it's a billionaire, he's going to fire the best suit. That's, uh, that's for sure. Um, so, yeah, the CPF flashback is Felicity Jones playing hide-and-seek with Ben Foster. And then there's, like, some not very good cringeworthy sort of dante dirty talk where they're, like, lying in bed together. And he, like, whispers in her ear... Everything before you is just an idea, and now it's real. Love awakens the soul to... And I can't read my own writing, You've so I'm afraid it. this erotic... That's his art, that's his art. You genius. Yes. Love awakens the soul to art. And then she's like, oh, Dante. Oh, Dante, show me your seventh ring. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's that scene. Give me um, your bagel. <laughs> um, uh, moving on, I suppose a lot of uh, uh, these are basically just questions I have for you. Which like, fire them off, and I, we'll wrap up this second half. Yeah, what is Ben Foster's plan? Uh, he gives a, he gives a lecture. He doesn't seem to have a plan. He's just basically saying he he, he postulates a situation. He goes, if you had the decision, uh, like the decision, obviously that everybody gets. If you had the decision to save half the world's population or let them die in 100 years' time, what would you do? He doesn't, he doesn't solve it himself. So he just kind on. of asks the audience that he's presenting to this question. Yeah, I'm not... Like, what... So, they're going to be dead in 100 years anyway, so... Everyone will be wiped in 100 years due to overpopulation. So, okay, okay, Or okay. you can save 3 billion of the current 7. Okay, so it's more of an abstract, whereas I thought he was meaning, like, the ident... Like, you, you take these three billion and put them in a room. That's, and, that's a big fucking room. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was meaning, like, you take three billion and these people, like... Because I was like, well, in, in, like, a hundred years, they'll all be dead anyway, unless they're weird people who live to be, like, a hundred and... But he's meaning... Like, he's not meaning the specific three billion. Mm -hmm. Like, he's not... Okay, I get him now. But is um, it, your question was, what's his solution? Or what, what does he plan What was to his do? plan? Because, like, he... It didn't didn't really give one it, it that I recall it kind of gets explained a little better in the end of the film but like I can't remember if it's him in flashback or Felicity Jones that's speaking about like avoiding extinction but at this point in the film it seemed to be like we're going to avoid extinction by killing everyone but it's just that classic Hollywood movie thing of like we'll avoid everyone dying by simply killing most of the people and logic logic yeah. logic goes a long way in this film we have like a couple other weird quotes like humanity is inhumane. Beautiful. Uh, so true. Life of Pi Man is revealed to be a weird illusionist. So I have what? a question for you. Um Tom Hanks ends up in a hospital at one point. Again? No, 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 there's a flashback, obviously. There's a flashback to the start of the film. Yeah, I think so, yeah. This is doing my nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Go ahead. So while you were presumably watching this hospital, did you think it was real? 
the, the film doesn't suggest otherwise. Well, uh, it does, oh, actually. Fucking, uh, it does, oh, if, it you, does. if you're an enlightened man such as myself. I'm, I'm an idiot. I, I don't know how to watch films. Uh, so... I, I, I'm a total dummy. Inferno, Inferno, <laughs> Inferno outsmarted me at every single turn. I'm glad that this has finally forced <laughs> the admission from you. Something I've been trying to get you to admit for ages. You know, This podcast up. was all a ruse just to no. get this humiliation on tape. <laughs> Inhumanity I... is in, inhumane! <laughs> oh, fuck, I got the fucking right. I can't even get the quotation <laughs> See, um, what a fuck up. Because, I'm, I'm definitely leaving. Because I, myself, am a master of deceit, much like Life of Pi Man, who reveals everything was a weird charade that he did. So, like, Tom Hanks thinks he's been shot in the head. Oh, my God. And he's actually just been, like, the like scalpel, like, a bullet wound on his head. And, like, they've injected him with something to make him lose his memory. No, but he hasn't no. actually lost his memory. He can remember all of it. This um, is just... This has got no... It's just making up his own rules and his own logic as it goes on. Well, the giveaway is, like, uh, Life of Pi Man is explaining to Tom Hanks how he's such, like, a sort of, like, weird trickster. And Tom Hanks is like, yeah, I know. There was a lock on the hospital door. There aren't locks on real hospitals. And Life of Pi Man's like... Correct. <laughs> and that's how you know, like, if I'd seen that, if I'd been watching the first half, Kieran, I'd have been able, I'd have let you know at the changeover, by the way, man, there's a lock on the hospital. Oh, you can't, this you can't, bullshit. you can't do that. Don't you can't. That. No. Our, our exchange at halftime is basically a, hello, hi, huh, wasn't that, wasn't, isn't this kind of funny? Uh, all, all the best. I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> we can't, there's no secrets can be given away at the changeover. It's a, we need, we need to iron that out right now. Okay, my uh, my notes rapidly disintegrate here because I've just written bored. I I was I was really bored. I was like, I'm seeing half of this film. Like at no point in Bridget Jones, the Secret Lost episode, was I bored. Whereas this, I was actively. I'm seeing half a movie. Like I could deal with a quarter. Like <laughs> this is like this is too. I much. was get about forty minutes. I still had another twenty to go until I walked out and met you, or met you after five minutes, and I was just like, I just. Can, can Jericho just come in now, please? Because yeah. I've had enough of this. I was really, I was thinking, I was <laughs> I can, like... I couldn't imagine sitting there for the whole two hours. I was like, is any of this going to be resolved? Like, if I just leave and sort of, like, tell Kieran, like, oh, you know, it was good, the world ended. I just sat in, <laughs> sat in the toilet for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, just sat in the toilet and cried. I had a much better time than I would have otherwise so, seen this. So, go on, what, is, what happens at the end? We need, we need to wrap this up. Let's, let's um, put a pen in it. So, they, they save the day. They? they? Um, I thought... Elizabeth and Life of Pi Man of Pi and Man. Tom Hanks and like, they join they join forces. Yeah, yeah, oh. they join forces against Felicity Jones' woman. Woman, look at that—a new addition to my vocabulary. And there's a big finale. There, I, I do, I will actually say this: the finale takes place in like a place called like the some like the weird like the blood red pool of the Forgotten Lagoon that reflects the sky or something, and it looks really cool. I want okay, to visit. Okay, fair enough. So there's like a big, a big, a big showdown. Felicity Jones blows herself up, but they save the day, and that's the end. And then there's like a little scene where like Tom Hanks goes to a gallery. Is it post credits? No, no, no I didn't, it's not like I, a, it's I not a Marvel sort of thing. The very, very end. We might have missed something. Uh, you might have missed might something. Have mi- <laughs> yeah, we probably did. We probably missed like Ben Foster turning. Or like imagine Robert if Langdon like... will return. Yeah. Well, that's what I was waiting for because like the... please, please don't return. <laughs> Please return. There's a lost symbol to make. So he, what does like, that W mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there's there's why there's there's the bit at the end where he goes to a gallery and he speaks Italian. So we see that this has been a 
journey for him and that he's uh, he's learned and grown as a person and then he tells them like the mask is missing and then all the guards go crazy and Tom Hanks are like walks out of the walks out of the place and then that's the end somewhere out on that horizon far beyond the neon lights it's the end of the Warriors. I'm taking that, and I'm going to use that for the musical musical interludes. I um, know there must be something better, but there's nowhere else in sight. And now we're going to play last line to get rid of this yeah. podcast episode. Yeah. Uh, this is where usually there should be about 30 seconds between the changeover of me going in or Jericho. Ideally. Ideally. But this time, because of Because general... of you, Scott Rail. <laughs> Fuck you, Scott Rail. She's turned. She's turned the trains against us. <laughs> <laughs> this episode not brought to you by Scott Rail. This instead brought to you by Bagel Mania. Bagel, Bagel Mania. Bagel Mania. If they made trains, they'd be a lot better than Scott Rail. They would just be the Glasgow subway. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's a big bagel. It's a big fucking bagel. <laughs> anyway, uh, last line where um, we try and fill in what happened while none of us were actually in the screen. I give. The, the last line I heard and Jericho gives the first line he heard. Okay, so let's let's just do this then. My last line was spoken by a billionaire man and it was, we have created our own hell on earth. Oh, these are very appropriate lines, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Because I had, I had like a little, little conversation where I didn't, I didn't, I, I just heard, I got half of a line and it was said by Felicity Jones or Tom Hanks, I can't remember who. I was like, no, 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 came in and then my first like complete line that's, that's is, what we want yeah that's what well my first complete line was said by Omar Sai which is what's is the last thing you remember I think no 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 get this yeah Tom Hanks this is all an illusion Tom Hanks actually is Dante and he created hell Tom Hanks is the creator of hell that's what happened in there he just he was he was sitting there one day he was a wee bit bored you know Teaching at Cambridge, he was like, I've had enough. I'm not. I'm not reaching these kids. I need to really do something to impress them here. <laughs> and you know, he thought he was doing something good, but you know, you know, he ended up cutting some heads off. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, he, he was a bit of a pyrotechnic as well. He went down to the science lab, and things got a, a wee bit out of hand. And well, I mean, Cambridge. Basically, Cambridge is is where hell started. That's the that's the yeah. seven circle of hell. Brought to you by Bagelmania. <laughs> <laughs> well, my theory is that um, you know how like Tom Hanks in these movies is like I, I think he has a title like is he a cryptologist or a cryptographer or something? He's pro- he's a professional puzzle solver um, who doesn't speak any language other than English. And I think this movie is a big puzzle made for us, uh-huh. and that's why we've got what is the last thing you remember because. I, was that addressed to you, I Jericho it, Reed? No, I think it was like deliberately, like, because you tell me the last thing you remember in your last line of the first half, and then the thing I say straight afterwards is, oh. "What's the last thing you remember?" It's like it's Ron Howard playing a fool, playing me for a fool by getting me to ask you a question which you've already given the answer to. And who's won here, Ron Howard? I think he's. I think he's done us all. I think he is. And then what was your last line again? My last line was, "We have created our own hell on earth." I think that's him laughing at us, being like, <laughs> "This film is hell. It's torture. Like this isn't a real film. Don't take it as a real film." He definitely. This is me laughing at those two guys. He is the illusionist. Ron exactly. Howard, Ron it, Howard it, foresaw that we would take five minutes in between, 
And that's why he didn't put it after 30 seconds. No. He put the line after five minutes because he knew that ScotRail were going to be late. Exactly. He knew the trains were going to be turned against us. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he put it, the audience today, they were, they weren't real. They weren't real. They were all actors. I mean, the life of Pie Man, he's, he does exactly this type of thing in the movie. Like, that's his entire shtick. He says, I'm an illusionist, Michael. Oh, and I forget Ron Howard's involved in the rest of development. That's another reference. He's, 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 he's laughing at us saying, like, look, you don't know what's real. You don't know what's unreal. All of this is an illusion. This is entirely for your benefit. Also, there was a lock on the cinema door. I should have known. Real cinemas don't have locks on their doors. No. Why didn't we see? And at the end of the day, Ron Howard, God damn you! <laughs> you win this round, Ron. Um, we'll see you for The Lost Symbol. I've been Kieran um, McCusker. We'll see you next week, listeners. He's been Jericho Reed, but he didn't say it. I was going to say it. <laughs> I'm not now. Because I said it. Bye. Bye.